how can you then augment your workforce using a conversational AI assistant so that you can do what exactly what I said, convert those leads faster and earlier in the funnel and hand them off to your sales reps because you know they're a hot lead. Buyer behavior isn't the same and the old sales funnel is no longer relevant. So Square 2 is smashing the funnel and encouraging businesses to think differently about their approach to marketing, sales, customer service, and revenue generation. Join us for season two of Smash the Funnel, the podcast. This season with an amazing lineup of industry experts will focus on revenue performance measurement and optimization. And now for your host, Mike Lieberman, CEO and Chief Revenue Scientist at Square Two. Hey everyone, and welcome to season two, episode five of Smash the Funnel, the podcast. I'm Mike Lieberman. Thanks so much for joining me. In season two, we're focusing on one of the most challenging aspects of marketing and sales today. How do we measure sales and marketing performance? And even maybe more importantly than that, how do we improve and optimize that performance? And today I'm absolutely thrilled to have a very special guest for episode five, Rashmi Vital, CMO at Conversica. Rashmi, welcome to the show and thanks for joining us. Hey, Mike. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here. No problem. No problem. So we met, uh, I know I didn't meet you personally, but we met Conversica back in uh, inbound in September. But for our listeners who don't know Conversica, tell us a little bit about, you know, give us a little bit of background on you, obviously. I'm interested in your background and kind of what you bring to the table. But tell us about Conversica, the company and the product too. Yeah, sure. Happy to. Um, just a little bit about me. Um, I've been around the software industry for well over 20 years. Prior to joining Conversica, I led marketing for uh, SAP Customer Data Cloud, which uh, was actually an acquisition that SAP made of a company called Gigia. Uh, Gigia was in a customer identity management startup. Um, and I led the, the marketing team there. Um, I've, again, been around. I've been at big, big mega vendors such as IBM, Oracle. I've been at smaller companies uh, such as Brio and Newstar. So I'm excited to be here today and, and uh, talking to you. In terms of what Conversica does, uh, we are, uh, you know, we are one of the first and, and a leader in the conversational artificial intelligence space, specifically around what we call conversational AI assistance for business. You know, we help automate routine business conversations and personalize those interactions at scale. So we think of us as being able to augment your workforce because we allow our AI assistants and people to work more harmoniously together. And, and so that's essentially what we do. Nice. That's really cool. And, and, you know, people are always talking about the robots are coming, the robots, robots are coming, but you're, you're thinking about it in a more kind of collaborative way. Like how do we integrate AI into what people do so that they can be a little more efficient as opposed to, thinking about taking over their jobs, right? No, that, that, well, that's exactly right. I mean, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. You know, Conversica launched, um, you know, our, our AI assistant back in 2010. And the whole intent and purpose was to serve first the automotive industry. But what we recognized is as we were working with the automotive industry, there's just a lot of opportunity to have these, this natural two-way conversation and these routine business conversations that a lot of times our, our, our sales folks have to do, like our sales teams have to do, we felt like there, that this was needed across multiple and additional industries. So we expanded, I think as of 2014, we expanded um, into additional, uh, additional industries. We added more, uh, kind of more assistance to our portfolio. Uh, for example, we, we added an admi admissions assistant 
that helps us serve the education market. We added a customer success assistant to automate that whole outreach to improve customer retention. Um, and then we also did things like entering into new markets like LATAM and, and the UK. And, and it's really interesting as we work with our clients and our customers, what we're finding is the fact that one, organizations know that it's important to, to embrace AI technology and things like conversational AI uh, more readily within their organization. They see the, that there's an advantage as well as a competitive advantage that it brings, but yet still, there's still not that many that have done so in a proficient manner. And kind of what it is, is they feel like it's probably too, too uh, maybe daunting to take on that task. And one of the things that Conversica does as a software, as a service solution provider around conversational AI, we kind of take all that headache out of it and we make it really easy for customers to get up and running um, on our solution pretty fast. That's cool. It's also interesting how you're doing some um, vertically specific uh, assistant AI stuff. So uh, that, that's pretty cool. Like building some uh, AI assistance for individual verticals is something I hadn't heard before. That That's really pretty innovative. Um, so like I, I find that in a lot of cases in, in marketing and especially when you get into some of the technology products, we, marketers sometimes are pretty good at overcomplicating things. So <laughs> how do you explain what you guys do in like the, the most simplistic way? Like if you were talking to a sales rep, and I don't mean any disrespect yeah. to sales reps, but if we were talking to a sales rep, how, how would you explain what, what your product does and how does it help them? Yeah, it's really easy. I mean, it's very simple. You know, we help, we help, sales organizations engage their prospects through a personalized two-way conversation such that you, the client, the organization can surface hot leads faster and earlier in the funnel and then be able to hand that off to your sales reps. And so imagine- That sounds pretty good. Right, yeah, it is. Yeah. No, no, I mean, because the whole notion on that is, you know, Today, what's happening when you think about the, the, the funnel, right? We all know that lovely funnel. Uh, mm-hmm. You guys wrote a whole book around mm-hmm. trying to smash it all up. Right. Well, a lot of people still think of it as a funnel. And, and, and what happens is, is that there's a lot of tools that are being used today that, that might drive something like more scale at the top of the funnel. And you think of marketing automation as, as, a, as a tool that comes, as a set of technologies that come to mind. And then, and then you think about that and you think about, well, that drives scale but sometimes doesn't always hit the mark on personalization, mm-hmm. right? And then you think about people. Well, like, like whether that's an inside sales rep and an SDR, BDR team, what, what have you, they're really good at talking and working with people. And so they drive a high level of personalization. But the problem is it's hard to do at scale. And the whole notion is what if you can actually deliver that personalized human touch but do so at scale? such that you're able to reach 100% of coverage on your lead engagement and lead flow. And that is essentially what we think about. Those are the problems that we're looking to solve when, when we're thinking about how can you then augment your workforce using a conversational AI assistant so that you can do what exactly what I said, convert those leads faster and earlier in the funnel and hand them off to your sales reps because you know they're a hot lead. Yeah, that's great. And, and one of the things I like the most about this is Generally, you know, as an agency, when we're presented with, with prospects and clients that want to work with us, a lot of the focus is on the 
beginning of the buyer journey and on generating that visitor and converting that visitor into a lead and, and getting as many leads as possible. We're trying to encourage them to think more about the entire buyer journey and look at it a little more holistically and, and identify those areas that need the most help first. And in a lot of cases, it's not that they need more leads. It's that they need to do a better job with the leads they have. And in a lot of cases, those really good uh, mismanaged leads are with the sales team. So if you're going to bring something that's going to help uh, ensure that they're having personal conversations and some of that is automated so that the reps maybe could spend uh, di uh, uh, prioritize their time differently or focus on different leads differently. I think you're really hitting a, a pretty big hot button with a lot of organizations is that they don't need more leads. They need better systems and processes to help them deal with the leads they currently have. Does that resonate with what you're thinking? Yeah, it, it really does. I mean, it's kind of, it's spot on. I mean, we know that when you think about sales leads, 77% of leads lack thorough follow-up. Um, and what that means is, especially when it's now kind of in the sales team's uh, hands, um, you know, an, an SDR um, may not, and that's a sales development rep, right? Mm -hmm. for, for those of you who, don't, mm -hmm. who might wonder what that is, um, you know, they might call up a lead or, or a contact, you know, maybe one, two, three times. And after three times, they may give up we on average have seen that sometimes it takes, takes six, seven, eight times over the course of a period in order to, to warm up that lead and actually turn them into an, interested, into an interested prospect. And so, and the reason why it takes that much time is, is, is because, you know, people want to learn, they want to engage. Mm -hmm. You know, we oftentimes, um, our solution also supplements your existing marketing automation solutions. So if you're running a nurture program, kind of a multi-touch campaign, we're augmenting that campaign with our workflows. You know, we're not trying to replace that that type of you know that that type of purpose um, or process automation. What we're really focused at is ensuring that your leads have the coverage, that it's being followed up on, followed up on, and it's being done in a way that's that's polite. That's where where our AI assistants are some of the polite politest uh, human-like uh, messages that you ever get, uh, that, it's, that it's responsive, that if, you're, if anybody writes back and responds and they ask the question or they're, they're requesting more information, that that, that, that gets returned in a, a really timely manner. Um, and then there's, there's, a, and there's, a, there's a nice level of persistence to it. We don't forget about you, right? Mm -hmm. uh, we help keep those prospects engaged and we help continue to nurture their understanding as they're going from that awareness to consideration phase. And so, you know, that, that's the key that we see is that we're, we're really focused on, one, being able to do a better job, which a lot of people consider to be kind of that repetitive, routine type of assignment of lead follow-up and lead engagement, right? Whether it's through the phone or through social or through email, like really through email, we really help kind of continue that conversation. Um, and then we allow the sales reps to, to free up their time to focus on creating more of those higher value uh, and trusted relationships. Yeah, that they need really to build with their prospects, right? And that's what people like to do. Yeah. I mean, people would much rather spend their time doing that than spend their time on that routine, repetitive task of, of, of lead engagement. Yeah, I mean, that, that, we'll move on a little bit, but that lead engagement piece of it, the seven touches, like that can be frustrating too for 
for reps because they are sending emails and they might not be getting responses. And how many times do you want to do that before you're starting to think to yourself, you know, maybe this isn't a good opportunity anymore for whatever reason. So to take that off their plate and automate that and make it personal um, seems like a, something that really almost every decent sized sales organization ought to be considering. But let's shift gears a little bit in the uh, essence of time. I know you have uh, to move on to some other probably uh, more important things than our podcast interview today, but we're really big believers at, at Square Two about how process can it help companies when you apply it to sales and marketing drive revenue growth. So how does your product help with the process part of it? Because we find so many companies that really don't have a pro process around marketing. And when it comes to sales, they, they kind of say they have a sales process, but when you ask to see it or you're trying to get it documented and you sit down with the uh, six or seven salespeople, you get six or seven different versions of it. So how does your product kind of help with the process problem here? Yeah, it's a great question. We, we actually did a lot of work on this to try and understand, you know, what's you know, part of this is who is our ideal customer profile and, and more flipped on the other uh, on its head, which customers really will, will drive value from this and, and, and get benefit from this type of a solution. And what we found was really interesting over the, you know, the 1200 different clients that we support today and the hundreds of and thousands of implement, implementations that we've done. Um, you know, what we recognize is that it's, it's less about, you know, the demographic of the, of the audience, this market segment that they're in. And it's more about the levels of sophistication that they actually have in their marketing and sales processes. Um, for example, and you'd be surprised, and this doesn't matter whether you're an SMB or an enterprise level uh, organization, but something as simple as, do you actually have a best in class CRM? Um, are you using sales automation today as part of your day-to-day -day process, right? Um, because then you understand the stages of the buyer cycle as it complements the stages of the sellers of the seller stages, right? And so, and so, it's really important to one understand: Do you have a sales automation problem? I think a uh, process. I think two is: Do you have a marketing automation or marketing uh, nurture process that that ties in with that? And so, we notice that more of our customers who actually have um, uh, nurture programs, multi-touch campaigns, really believe in, in that digital, in digital programs, are more interested and, and a better target to use our, our solution because they understand that they're doing a lot, as you said, to drive, to drive uh, interest and demand through the top. They want to now be sure that it is moving and flowing through the funnel and actually getting converted into opportunities. And so this is where you know, we help and come in. And so with those level of, of process sophistication comes level of technology sophistication, best in class CRM, as I mentioned before, best in class marketing automation. Um, when we now talk about the people that we talk to, um, whether it's uh, in marketing departments or sales departments, normally it's the head of demand gen, head of marketing ops, or your head of inside sales uh, or head of sales ops. And, and these folks, they themselves have to fundamentally believe in, in, order, in change and the benefit of change to drive progress. If they have themselves more of, uh, if they're more reticent to change, if they believe the old school way of, of the adage of just throwing more people at the problem to try and get the increased performance and productivity that they have, oftentimes they themselves 
won't get what we do and, and, and understand what we do. And so, so the people themselves also have to be change agents. They have to believe in, in that they are uh, a change agent in helping continue to drive their digital transformation. And that this is one step towards being able to do that and get increased productivity and performance out of their marketing and sales organization. Yeah, that's very consistent with what we see too. It really almost never comes down to the size of the company, but how, as you said, interested in change are they and how do they value this kind of support or, or how much value do they put in letting technology do some of the lower payoff activities so their team can be a little more efficient? It really almost always comes down to that. So that's, that's really good advice for, for our listeners. I imagine in your role, you, you probably talk to a lot of CEOs and CMOs or, or CROs who have revenue challenges. What are, what are some of the biggest challenges you're hearing from them these days uh, as you talk to them? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, I'd have to say my, my sphere of exposure is around like-minded CEOs, CMOs, and sales leaders, specifically in the technology space, as you can imagine, right across mm-hmm. both SMB and, and enterprise. Um, and, I, and I'd say this, you know, whether you are a startup or a mature established business, we're all challenged with having to do the following. We have to drive growth, right? No doubt. And that's through revenue. We have to deliver on and maintain our value promise to the customer. And that gets back a little bit to not just thinking about new customer acquisition, but I really believe in the connected customer and being able to support that customer throughout their life cycle. Um, with you between you and, and, and the organization. And then obviously we have to be able to meet our investor and shareholder expectations, right? And drilling into kind of the revenue specific challenges, this really stems from first, if you're a startup, right? Do you have product market fit? This is a key thing that we all have to think through and think about, especially if you're a tech startup. But once you have established that, uh, that you do, then you have to think about, okay, well, do you have the right go-to-market strategy approach and then the personnel to scale the business? Um, that, that's, that's just key uh, to have. And so um, then if you kind of continue on and you think about, well, to deliver on the value promise that I was talking about before to the customer across their life cycle from that new customer acquisition to customer retention, you know, are your go-to-market teams, so are your sales teams, your marketing teams, your customer success teams, are we all aligned to that vision, to that strategy, and then to, to, the, to those revenue goals? So I think fundamentally, it starts with those fundamentals. You, when, I, when I talk to like-minded, like-minded um, whether it's CMOs or CEOs or, or talk a lot with sales leaders, it really kind of still comes down to these things. Um, I, lo- I love how you are talking about strategy because so many times we're brought in to help clients, you know, fix revenue. They might, you know, kind of describe it like that. And, and a lot of the things you're talking about are either ha- hadn't been thought through, maybe even were kind of shortcutted a little bit or, you know, dismissed is not important. The, honestly, like the tactics and the technology are really kind of the sexy air aspects of what we do. And unfortunately, that that sometimes distracts people from the stuff that you're talking about, which is harder work. I mean, it really is to to, to make sure that you have, you know, a good 
uh, opportunity in the market and to make sure you have the right go-to-market message and, and and the people are such a big part of it. it you know, it's it, unfortunately, I find a lot of people kind of skipping past that a little bit and thinking that the marketing and the tech or even that you mentioned this earlier in some of your comments, like, let's just throw people at the problem from a sales perspective. Like, they think that's going to fix some of these other weaker parts of their foundation. And generally, they're usually pretty disappointed, I, I found in my experiences. Well, that's right. And, and again, it, it, de it depends on kind of your foundation and, and, and your learnings. You know, maybe it might stem from my days at, at IBM, but, you know, we were taught very much so to think about, you know, to use the following approach, which was start with the big vision and what is the big vision and then apply the strategy to that. And then with the strategy, there should be objectives and goals. And when you actually have those objectives and goals and it's tied back and tied into your revenue objectives and goals, then you can create a plan. And that plan, in my case, is a marketing plan. Yeah, that um, makes it's so a much marketing sense. And then you can drive down to those day-to-day -day tactics. And when those things roll up the other way from bottoms up, it should, it should all align and make sense. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't tweak, you can't be dynamic, you can't right. change. There's market dynamics that make you change. Maybe there's competitive dynamics that make you change. But at least you know where your North Star is and, and, and not just you yourself. I, d I don't think of it as myself as a market, as a CMO, that my marketing organization is there. I want alignment now on that with my sales organization. I want alignment on that now with my customer success organization so that we are as much as possible rowing in the same direction. Right. That's usually when you get the big payoff too, when you can get everyone kind of moving in the same direction. So also really good advice for our listeners. Thank you. Uh, you're a software company and I just can't help but talking about the hugely crowded space in MarTech and sales tech is today. You know, there's something, you know, Scott Brinker maintains this, this MarTech map and there's over 7,000 different products on this map and more getting added every day. So I had to ask you like, how do you suggest companies sift through all these options when they're looking at adding some technology to either sales or marketing? What do you suggest they do to find the right tools? Yeah, it's a great question, uh, and it's a tough one. Um, you, you know, we know marketing tech spend has experienced significant growth over the past five to seven years, and it's continued to do so. Um, I think according to Forrester, based on a report they did past, past, last April, um, U.S. marketers will increase their investment in marketing technology by 27% over the next four years. Right. That's some something equivalent to more than one hundred and twenty two billion on on marketing tech by uh, 2022. Now, I think it's really easy to let technology investments drive key strategic decision making. Um, it, it, and, and I know there are plenty of marketing departments that might feel like they've accumulated a lot of, a lot of technology that's not been f fully utilized and therefore they feel like they have a lot of tech debt. And I think because of that, many marketing organizations are, are reconsidering their technology investments and really kind of paring that down. Hmm. Now, that, that said, you still have to stick to the fundamentals when building your market, marketing strategy and plan, right? And aligning that to the revenue performance of the company. So how will, and then ask yourself the question, how will marketing help the company achieve its revenue goals? And we talked about go-to-market strategy, and we don't have to get to know all the details about that, but that is critical. And if you have a go-to-market strategy, then you can align your campaigns and diversify your mix to that go-to-market strategy. Now, you need technology to help you support 
your decision-making process. And there's technology that does that, right? There's data and analytics technologies or various marketing operation technologies. There's things there that you can take a look at the data that helps you uh, for your decision-making. Mm -hmm. And so you need to decide which technologies are going to help you for that specific purpose. And then there's technologies to help you support your execution. Um, how do I execute on my campaigns? How do I make sure I'm hitting the right target audience? You know, what, how do I know I'm extending my reach to the right audiences and, and maybe I need to do some lookalike modeling against that. And, and there's all sorts of technology around that. You just have to, again, once again, ask yourself, what's my objective? What's my goal? You know, what am I trying to do? And, and does that technology asset help you? And then like we see when we're working with our customers, right? They're looking to help drive better productivity and performance essentially out of their marketing and sales teams. And so when we talk to our customers, we usually hear, uh, we usually hear the common phrases like we need to do more with less, mm -hmm. something maybe like how can I increase my conversion rate on qualified, uh, on qualified opportunities, but I can't increase my headcount. Mm -hmm. You know, this is, now, this is now how can you use technology to help drive the performance of your team. Yeah, those are, real, so, those, are, those are very good um, business questions that they're asking that I'm, I imagine your product can directly relate to, especially in terms of, you know, uh, increasing qualified opportunities without necessarily putting more heads on the machine, if you will. So I, I like that, that thought process uh, quite a lot. Let's talk about AI a little bit. It's super popular. It's kind of like this buzzword, especially in, 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 in marketing and sales tech. You know, everyone's talking about artificial intelligence. You, you have a conversational AI assistant that supports driving higher performance for the teams and support the connected customer journey. Obviously, we're a big fan of that idea, all the way from acquisition to retention. And a, um, we have AI software products too. So let's talk about the robots that are coming to take over sales and marketing. How do you see artificial intelligence as it's applied to revenue generation? And how do you think people should be looking at applying it in their companies? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as I, as I, as I might have said before, I don't know if I said the ex exact statistic, but 84% of organizations know that they need to start looking at AI to drive a competitive advantage, but only somewhere like less than 30% have actually implemented it. So there is a gap there, right, between the need and then being able to actually turn it into, into implementation. I think that, number, first off, and I'd say, you know, maybe contrary to, to popular belief in some of the, some of the um, maybe some of the messages that, that the media outlets there are sharing is there is a world and the, and when you think about the future and the future of organizations and specifically around the future of work, where we have to start understanding that AI and people are going to be working together. Mm -hmm. And I, and I would say, I take it a, a level further and say AI and people and specifically conversational AI and people can actually work harmoniously together, together. And what we've seen is because we help marketing and sales build higher performing teams, they can do that and they can do that without sacrificing headcount. In fact, many of our clients not only get better productivity out of their marketing and sales orgs because they're using our solution, and as I said, because our solution focuses on those routine repetitive tasks that people just don't like to do, but they are, able to, uh, they are able to then invest more in their sales teams to grow them 
so that they could focus on those higher value responsibilities, like building those trusted relationships with their prospects mm-hmm. and then helping them achieve their own, that, that, that help them achieve their own goals and objectives. And so while I, I, I love the fact that, uh, you know, we're seeing uh, absolute kind of positive results from the organizations we work with and them investing more in their teams, it is, it is, I know, a little contrary to some of the popular belief uh, that's out there today. And that's something we're hoping to come out with stronger um, here in this coming year and help educate people around how you could augment your workforce with conversational AI assistance, how you can actually, um, how the future of work can be positively impacted for both people and, and the organization together. Yeah, I, love the, I love the story of uh, and instead of or. I think that's, that's really powerful when it comes to um, how sales and marketing teams should be thinking about AI. So that, that's really a great story. I'm looking forward to seeing more from you guys on that. So since your flagship product primarily helps marketing the sales organizations, I want to just spend a minute or two drilling into sales. So what are some of the biggest challenges facing sales teams today? And how do you suggest sales leaders tackle these challenges? Yes, it, it, it's, it's, it's really important. I, I mean, I think sales is, is always under the gun and, and they always have to hit, if not exceed their targets. Um, and, and no organization would exist if it wasn't for the sales team literally bringing home the bacon. So, um, you know, but the challenges that they face are every year their targets and, and quotas, therefore their quotas go up. Um, and oftentimes that doesn't also mean that their headcount goes up mm-hmm. or if they feel like they just even need more headcount to address their existing kind of state of business, then that then might influence the fact that their head, their, their quota might have to go up to justify that headcount increase, right? They're therefore requiring more productivity out of the individual's on the team. Mm -hmm. That's one. I think the second area is around sales leaders all the time want to improve their visibility and accountability uh, of of how their team is performing. Um, And they really want to know, are these leads that are getting worked? Are they, are they good ones? Are they bad ones? Are they hot? Are they at risk? Uh, And so another, another area that we hear a lot from our customers is just, just overall, how can I get a better sense of what's getting worked on and and Mm -hmm. what's not? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think, and I think the third one is, is just a tighter alignment between marketing and sales. Um, I think sales is challenged by that. I, I actually, we, we've run recently some, some thought leadership and content on how, um, marketing and, and, you know, kind of what is really kind of marketing and sales alignment today and, and how good is it? How good is that relationship and how can it be better? And interestingly enough, we, we conducted some research on this and we saw that, uh, the intent from both the sales side and the marketing side is the fact that they actually want a good relationship between marketing and sales, but that they're frustrated. And where the frustration lies is typically around marketing believes that sales isn't following up on leads right. fast enough. And what does sales think? Sales, le- bad sales leads. thinks that marketing <laughs> bad, or either bad leads or not enough leads, not right? Enough leads, so, right, right. Classic Glenn, uh, Carrie Glenn Ross yeah. situation. And so here, um, here, these, so when you think about these three challenges, these are the three core challenges we see when we're talking with sales companies, uh, with, with sales teams uh, across different organizations. And really what we help is we just say, look, we'll help you get that lead follow-up coverage 
that you've been lacking, especially if you're a sales organization where you're getting 200, 300, 400 or more, or either, uh, even up to 1,000, whatever that number is uh, uh, of leads per rep where you're not able to keep up with that flow, we can help you mm-hmm. touch those leads. Mm-hmm. Um, we can also then obviously help you see at, the org- at your organizational level how many leads have been touched, how many leads have been followed, and then which ones are actually hot. And is your team prioritizing those hot leads and following up on them uh, first? And then also, can you also see those leads at risk? And is your team following up on those to make sure that they don't walk away? Right. Um, and then with between marketing and sales alignment, there is none of this kind of, you know, are leads following through the crack. There is no lead left behind. Right. Uh, so that so that you're building better trusted relationships between your marketing and sales team because you can you have more transparency over that lead flow and lead engagement. Yeah, really interesting. Re- really good stuff. Thank you so much for providing all this. If you have a minute, let's do something fun in the last little segment here. I call this two or two, T-W-O or T-O-O. So I'm going to give you two words and you have to tell me which one you prefer, like vanilla or chocolate or dog or cat. Okay, you're adding this will take just a minute. Sounds good. Sales or marketing? T-O-O. <laughs> Both. Okay, good. Good. Uh, ebooks or video? Ooh, video. Okay, nice. I like it. Landy pages or chat? Landing pages. Oh, interesting. Uh, startups or established companies? Would you want to know why? Uh, sure. If you want to elaborate, yeah. I, I want to elaborate on this one because okay. I think it's pertinent. Sure, go ahead. So, I think landing. I think there's there. I'm a big proponent of the customer experience, and I think if somebody comes to your website and they're engaging, you want to deliver a great customer experience. And it's because they're coming. They're coming on their own time and on their own terms. I think there's a. I think there's a growing trend or discomfort. Maybe I could even say slight annoyance when you visit a website and as you're just in the middle of consuming something, you get attacked or bombarded by some chatbot that literally takes up that, that core part of what you were just reading. Yeah, I, I agree. It's not just chatbots too. It's these fly-ins and these other kind of pop-ups that people think are clever and uh, it can really ruin the experience. I, I agree completely. Also, some of these chatbots, I can never find the button that turns them off or removes them. And I, I find that the chat companies are like almost uh, trying to outsmart me with where they put it. And in some cases, they're, they're in a very obvious spot. But for, and I know they know like very scientifically where to put them. It takes me a while to find it. And in that time, I'm, I guess, more likely to ask a question is what they're thinking, right? No, that's, well, that's exactly right. Or, right. or, or you bounce. I mean, the right. bounce rate, I would love to look at their bounce rate on that. Yeah, the little Xbox is somewhere yeah. hidden underneath, yeah. like, you probably even better yet, some ad display that you have to click on, and then, right. you know, that you get right. charged the CPM. But, but that, it's, it's, it's funny, right? So, the, so that's one of the things. That's why, sorry, thank you for allowing me to elaborate on that one. No, I mean, I think your point is very well taken. Like, you have to have the right blend of Offering to let someone talk to you and still letting them consume information in the way that they want, right? It's also like this argument between gated and ungated. Like you can't have everything gated and you can't have everything ungated and you can't have it all be chat and you can't have it all be landing pages. Like you really have to find the right 
experience for your customers. And, and again, back to our thinking, this is where the buyer journey is so critical. Because if you do have people coming to your site and they're early buyer journey people, they probably don't want to chat with you. They want to look right. around and have their own browsing experience and find some things that are pertinent to where they are in their buyer journey. And when they're maybe come back another time or they get a little further in the buyer journey, maybe chat's a more appropriate offer for them. So I, I'm with you 100% on how to, how to deploy these two, these two tactics. Um, startups or established companies? Startups. Okay. Inbound or outbound? Both. Okay, good. iPhone or Android? iPhone. Aha, uh -huh, me too. East Coast or West Coast? So West Coast, but I have a 617 cell phone number, so. Where's that? Boston. Boston, got it. Okay, so you'll keep a toe in the East Coast. It is far more appreciated when you when you talk to somebody from Boston that they see a six one seven coming. Oh, through. interesting! Got it. Um, LinkedIn or Twitter? LinkedIn. Nice, Rashmi. Thanks for being on the show. You were a great guest. Uh, I really appreciate you spending the time with us today. In this episode, we talked about why driving efficiency and adding process improvements to sales and marketing produces revenue growth with Rashmi Vital, the CMO at Conversica. In our next episode, we'll talk about why everything starts with data. Bad data produces poor results. And our guest is going to be Dion Cornett. He's the CEO at ReachForce. Uh, we're going to talk to Dion about the importance of data in a, today's uh, sales and marketing and customer service effort. You will not want to miss that. Thank you again, Rashmi, for joining us. I really appreciate it. And let's go smash your phone. Awesome. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. Take care.